Should I take off the Balenciagas? Are they going to be distracting? No, it's okay. They don't distract me. I'd rather you be able to see. No, I can't. These aren't Unless they're actually fake. Yeah. Hey, folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today, we're talking to Muspa Shaheen. What's going on, Muspa? Hello. Hi. <laughs> Nothing is going on. Nothing? It's, yeah. I don't believe you. I feel like you have a lot going no. on lately. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But today's a Saturday, so it's chill. Saturdays, am I right? Yeah, I woke up early, like 6.30, did my laundry. Domestic? Okay. I know, domestic. Yeah, yes. Okay. Work. Thank you. Firstly. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. And I want to get into, um, I know you're a recent graduate. Mm-hmm. It's literally graduation season. Um, so how does it feel? Uh, it feels kind of surreal. I just realized that it's basically been a week. Um, I'm glad to be done. It's like my second, just finished my master's and I'm starting uh, the doctorate in the fall. So it's not the end of the line for me yet, but it's a nice, like step two is done. I'm impressed. Thank first you. First of all, thank you. We'll talk more about that. I mean, what is it like to go through that process? And you're still in it. So, what? How does it feel? What is that like? It's a lot of work for sure. Um, there's a lot of you know. You have to ask yourself questions. Or do you want to invest time in degrees and studies, or do you want to get to work and sort of? I, I thought a lot about you know what is the worth of my work and where does it fit into what I want to do in my life. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, I, I don't recommend people getting grad degrees just for the sake of getting grad degrees. I think it has to be, you have to really want to do it. It has to be really fitting into the story and narrative of what you want. And I can tell you more about that if you want to know more about it. You should tell me more. How does it fit into your narrative and your story? Well, I realized that there is a problem with representation in academia, um, and so there's questions that no one asks. So my degrees are in education, and so I'm really interested in the stories of people like me in education, um, particularly in queer people, um, queer Muslim people, queer people who are spiritual or religious, these voices we don't hear. And so as I go into a doctoral degree, this is sort of where I want I want these voices to be in the books. I want someone to be narrating and looking at what does the experience of these people is and how can we make it better? Um, and so, yeah, and, you know, I'm a nerd. And so why not you right, Why not use my God-given nerdy talents to, to educate like, others? Fuck shit up, yeah, in a good way. Like, of course. Like, yeah. No, that's always, I assumed you meant in a positive light. Yes, it was positive. Wow. Thank you. Well, I'm proud of you, and I'm happy for you. Thank you. Um, so what's next? You're moving. You're moving out of state, aren't you? I am moving out of state. Uh Decided to, I'm moving to Columbus, Ohio, and I decided not to move right away just because I don't know anyone there yet. I don't have anything to do. So I have a, have a temp job at UVM for June and July, and then I'm moving on down to Columbus, which is exciting in a way. Yeah. It's exciting because it's new. I like New England. I'm sad to be leaving New England. Um, enjoyed it more than Tennessee, which is where I was before. Um, but so it's going to be a change of pace, but Ohio state is a, is a, is a humongous school and I like school spirit and you know, there's more community there, no shade. Um, so 
Yeah, I'm excited about those parts of it. I'm not excited about being in the Midwest. But if I can handle Syria and the South, I can handle Midwest and Vermont. So, full disclosure, I am a Midwesterner. Um, wow. I'm not, I'm not offended, but also tell me more about not being excited to live in the Midwest. Um, I just, I think here in New England, I found a lot more understanding, a lot more acceptance, open-mindedness with people that I don't think I'm going to find exactly, um, in, in the Midwest and Ohio state. Like, like I think about the work that I did at UVM and sort of the, my responsibilities and the work that I got to do, um, very much focused on change and, and justice and, and talking about our identities and who we are. And at Ohio State, it's a little harder to do that. Um, there's a lot more pushback for alums about, you know, they would never have something like UVM where we have, you know, examining white identities retreat that would not go well at the Ohio State University. And they know that, you know, Google it. Yeah, people have thrown fits about sessions that talk about whiteness or that talk about um, privilege. Um, so... It's going to be a different type of battle there. Um, necessary work indeed. But um, I anticipate I'm going to have a lot of like Twilight Zone moments when you're like, you know, those moments where you're like, oh, my God, what is happening? Why is anyone saying something? Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I'll update you. I wish you would. Or not. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. You mentioned your story. I did. And that is, I guess, why we're here after all. Indeed. Do you want to start from the beginning? Oh, yeah. We'll be a here young for hours. Scorpio <laughs> emerged. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Quintuple Scorpio, am I? Scorpio yeah. times five? Is that the word? Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of Scorpio. It's a lot in your chart. It is. It is. Anyway, <laughs> so no, take no. us there. Anyway, take you there. Um, frosty night. What? Well, I was no, born in the morning. November. That frosty. October. October morning. Uh-huh. Take us there. Well, I was born in Syria, um, which is a country that some may or may not be familiar with, but it is a place um, that I was born in. I grew up in a Muslim family. Um, let's see, I have one sister. And so queerness has been a big part of my life in that it was not allowed to be a big part of my life. And so it was like my worst secret to keep for years and years and years. Um, there's a lot of shame involved with it as well as like just fear. Um, I think, I think what really, when I think about my academic skills, the reason why I studied a lot is because I didn't want to be around people. Um, you know, because I always thought the more I interacted with people, they're going to find out and um, that's going to be bad for me. And so I, I was looking for a way out and that's where I was looking to study in the States and um, ended up applying, getting into Vanderbilt, which is in Nashville. It was great. Did my bachelor's there. Um, my majors were molecular and cellular biology and music. I was busy. But you said nerd. Um, I don't get nerd from that. Though. Right. No nerd at all. 
He's telling me to go on. I'm giving him the look in case you need a narration. I am sorry <laughs> that I interjected. That was yes, rude. No, interaction is great. I was awesome. just like, that doesn't um, sound nerdy. It kind of is. Molecular. Molecular. Yeah, so that's what he did. And I really fell in love with the liberal arts education. And that's how I got into studying higher education and student affairs. Uh, really born out of the idea that we can learn everywhere and that we need to have scientists who are socially aware and we need to have musicians who are socially aware. And just because I was studying organic chemistry in the lab, that doesn't mean that I don't get the opportunity to talk about my identities and my queerness and my... You can't get radical with your shit in a lab, they said. <laughs> radical, but I'm pumpish, right? Chemistry, radicals. Oh, I never... Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought sorry. that was a I'm interjecting again too much. Go on. No, you're good. I love so, your introductions. So, yeah, so that's how I got into this, this field, and I came to UVM to do the master's in, in higher education student affairs. I thought I was going to do that, um, be working on a college campus forever, and I changed my mind to what I had talked about before, the idea of representative research, uh, more accessible research, and more telling of stories, which is what a doctoral degree sort of gives you. And I'm, I want to be a teacher. That's I want to teach college-level courses from an inter interdisciplinary perspective. Uh, you know, I, again, think about the scientist who needs to take things that are related to the world beyond their field of study. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am now. It's weird because when you tell me to tell you the story, it's basically the resume of where I went to school. Yeah, um, I don't mind you telling me your resume. That's thank cool. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where I am right now. And, and you feel end. that you're going to be best used, most influential in that role, the, the one that lies before you? I um, certainly do hope so. I've learned to be... Uh, a little more spontaneous. No, not spontaneous. That's a lie. I'm not spontaneous at all. <laughs> <laughs> I need to plan when I need to be spontaneous. Uh, no. Plan for spontaneity. I do yeah. plan for spontaneity. I think uh, when I think about uh, my, my faith is that idea of I'm going to do 110% of what I can and then I'm going to send these things out into the universe and see what happens. That sense of like letting go is where I am right now is that I think I made the right decisions. And so I'm going to, you know, go through all the way to the end and see what happens. If that needs, I need to change, means I need to change then I will change something. I don't know. I'm like surprisingly Zen this morning. This morning. I feel like that's kind of your baseline. Really? Yes. I feel like you're much more well-adjusted than I am. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't a different need issue. you to <laughs> say more. I said it. We're going to leave it there. Calm down. Listen. Oh, no. Listen. <clears throat> About Syria. About Syria. I know that you get questions. I do. A lot. About a lot. what it was like growing up Indeed. in Syria. And and I'm not different. Um, but I also want to know what bothers you the most about those questions also. So I'm asking the question, mm. you know, what what was it like? I mean, I guess... Some of your the favorite things you remember mm -hmm. when you were growing up, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then also <laughs> the most annoying questions <laughs> you get, or like uh, not questions, maybe more like I don't know what you would call them. I feel like 
some people think that they know about a place from, you know, news mm-hmm. or media, you know, whatever, um, and sort of get an impression and then want to like impose that mm-hmm. on people mm-hmm. from there. So I want to get into that a little bit. No, it's uh, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're asking about. And to me, it's the time, place and manner. Uh, issue. So right now, this time, place, and manner is perfect for the type of general question of what it was like. Um, I remember, you know, from my undergrad when I was a college student, you know, I'm standing in the line at the store buying groceries and talking to a friend, and they asked me, what was it like living in Syria? No, not the time, not the place, and not the manner. To ask that question, I think that's the general, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of, in a lot of people, there's a sense of, they don't know, and they really want to know. Sometimes it comes from a good place. Like, I really want to know, and I want to ask you this very intrusive question <laughs> about, you know, your life um, mm. in a place where maybe I don't want to relive that right now. Mm. Um, and I think that's the other thing is that sometimes, like, I prepare myself today is going to come up, so I have been prepared mm. to dig a little deeper into some of the stories. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm not ready for, for that sort of deep digging. Um, the annoying questions that I get is the Googleable questions. <laughs> it really is. I had I had an experience that was like, and I know that the person might hear it, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> I, you know, we were we were driving in the car, and and I'm sitting in the back, and I was getting questions like, "What is the population in Homs? How big is it compared to Burlington?" Are you from um, Homs? Yes. Okay. I am. Um, and like Damascus, how old is Damascus? And at a certain mm. point, I pulled out Wikipedia, and I was answering from Wikipedia because I don't know the answers to these questions. Biggest export, um, import? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, we had good food. Like, and that's, that's another thing is that, like, is there, there's a different thing to ask. What do people eat in Syria mm. versus what food do you miss the most? Mm. Because I can answer the latter really easily. <laughs> um, and it's inviting me to share. It's inviting me to bring my culture in. It's not so I can tell you so that I'm not your encyclopedia of mm-hmm. the fucking world. Like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Um, and so, 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 and then similarly, like right now, you might ask me, what is it like being gay in Syria? I would tell you. Uh, you may ask tell me, me right? that's not on my notes, but you may. Right. If you want to, we can get into but all that. Might, that might come up. It was like, yeah. for me, but I But you be, don't want to hear that, like you said, in line when you're buying a granola bar, what have and a granola, I, Yes. Well, I assume. It's Vermont, so yeah, we buy I granola. Just assume, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <good>. sorry. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, no, you're good. Yeah, and so uh, in a class, when we're talking about politics and policy, and when you ask me what are gay rights in Syria like, that's an appropriate question to ask. I will answer it, or I would attempt to answer it, at least from my perspective. So time, place, and manner is, I think, the key. Um, and you know, to remember that, li- like you said, there are some fond memories and there are some annoying memories, and um. For, for, for us, uh, you know, this is a big part of my life that sometimes I don't want to share with people. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, I was out and I talk, was talking to someone at a bar and they were like, where are you from? And me, I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at me weird and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't have the capacity right now to have like a full conversation. Um, and so that's a lie. I I'd say sometimes. Sometimes I'm like Michael from Atlanta because I don't want to spell my name in a loud nightclub. I have so many stories. 
about that? Like Tell when someone, oh my god, someone was like, "You look like a Munir." I'm like, "What mm. do you mean, Munir?" He's like, "Yes, my brother-in-law's name is Munir, and he is from Syria." I said, "Okay, great." And so that bitch, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can bleep that out. That person called me Munir the rest of the evening. It was ridiculous. I was like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Um, I had someone who called me, what did he, Musab, called me a different, the wrong name in bed. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's one letter, like rearranged. <laughs> they were trying? I don't know. I don't know. I was like, who, where is Musab? Oh, that's me. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of fun with my name as like a proxy of my entire cultural self being erased or co-opted. Fun stuff. So, so. <laughs> about that food. Oh, the food, yeah. I mean, do you find is there <clears throat> are there places in the states where you can where you can get the same vibe and get like the connection that way? Um, it's, it's a, I would say it's harder up here than it was down in Tennessee. Um, I found, uh, mm. stores up in Winooski that sell some of the like, mm. you know, Arabic stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to recreate some of the things that like my mom would make. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I was reflecting on that this morning. I think I protected myself from some of the more painful parts of life in Syria by avoiding, trying to get these things that remind would remind me of it. So when I was in college, mm. I didn't care about eating Syrian food mm. at all. But now that it's been a while and I'm, it's starting to become more relevant to me, I'm like, wow, this is my heritage. Like, what are my kids going to know in the future? Um, I want them to eat the same foods that I've eaten. And so I'm starting to see more of that importance in bringing it back into my life. Um, but it's it's this weird concoction of pride and acknowledgement of someone of my culture, and the other part is people use that culture to hurt me. Um, what do you mean by that? You know things like uh, we're Arab. Arabs are not gay, or um, mm. Muslims are masculine, and so uh, they're not gay either. Um, or, you know, our Arabic values don't align with some of the things that, you know, my, my parents or my family would know about the West. Um, and so in a way, some of the things, you know, values are different. Yes, indeed. But not when you're using those values as a way to invalidate me. Um, and that's, and that's, that's the learning that happens in the growth is that same thing with religion really is now I'm at a place where I can define for myself what my Syrian values are because I'm a fucking Syrian and I have values, which makes them Syrian values. You're welcome. Um, so it's no longer, like, I don't know. I no longer see it as this package that I either take or don't take. Mm. Um, it's not a monolith. It's not to, a monolith. To be Syrian for yep. you, right? Yep. It's, there is definitely uh, things that are performative about it that you know they're about what? rich about the about any culture really mm. um like mm. there's things that we that we do um i think about the way i don't know the way we cook like that's one okay. thing is like that's a way of living out the culture is sure the way that's i mean across cultures right. that's huge that's a huge connection yeah it is and and you know i think it takes that Feeling like your culture, for me, feeling like my culture is on the line. 
of if I lose this mm-hmm. connection, like yeah. I don't know wh- wh- who I am mm. without this connection. That's really what got me to dig deeper into what does it really mean? Right, right. Feeling like, do I have to be beholden to these certain things? These certain things, you know, yes, but like everything, do I have to take it all part and parcel, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's not all or nothing. Because who gets to decide what what is and what isn't? You don't know. Is that the face that's supposed to be? I don't know. You know that emoji? That's a shrug emoji. That is one of my favorite emojis. I love it. Surprise, surprise. Because I just don't fucking know a lot of times. Yeah, I noticed. I don't... Listen. Let's talk about... I thought you were going to pinch me. Ow! (laughs) Just a short... It's going to get over. (laughs) You'll be fine. Um, Let's talk about astrology, one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. And one of yours, too, I know. Um, Just briefly. So... (laughs) Astrology people come for me if I say this incorrectly. Um, you have five Scorpio placements in your chart. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? How do, how do you relate to that? Mm-hmm. I think most notably my sun and my rising are Scorpio. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also Scorpio rising. Mm-hmm. Full transparency. Entire disclosure. Yes. So you know what I mean? Um, also my Pluto <clears throat> for those that would dig further into my chart, you'll notice that Pluto is also in Scorpio, but that's a whole thing. Again, astrology people come for me about why I shouldn't even mention that. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, Scorpio mm-hmm. rising, which means mm-hmm. just for me, apparently, or how I take it is that despite like how I feel, I think I come across as um, intimidating mm-hmm. um, to some. Mm-hmm. That's what my Scorpio rising kind of tells me about me. So you are Scorpio Period. And Scorpio Rising. Yes. So what you see is what you get type thing. So funny story. I don't know if it's funny. Uh, it's a story. I, for the longest time, I d- did not really believe in astrology and was one of those people who was like, oh my God, not again, astrology. Um, but I had, a, I had a, a dear friend who was really into astrology and she opened my eyes to the fact that actually it's another way of knowing. It's an ancient way of knowing. It's an indigenous way of knowing for a lot of people. Um, and so I started to like open my mind a little more to the mystical part of the world and say, wow, this, yeah, I, I, I see it. Especially when I started, when I acknowledge that what I read in Co-Star, find me on Co-Star, by the way, <laughs> uh, what I read is sort of makes sense. To me, the Scorpio, um, where I am an intense feeler, uh, intense expressions, intense everything. It's like the key word for me. Um, <clears throat> comes off as like having a bulldozer going through things is sometimes and at my worst and at my best, it's, you know, that passion and drive really comes up. Um, I've, uh, <laughs> whenever I read the relationship parts in all of the, all of the astrology <laughs> things, I'm like, okay, it. Okay, let's get into that it. That makes sense because mm-hmm. I need people. Is it good stuff you read? Is it good stuff about you that you read about Scorpio? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> go on though. Sorry. Go on. No, I read a lot of times things like, yeah, you're kind of obsessive and you're possessive. Um, <clears throat> which I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, at all, at all. Um, it might come off that way. Of course, uh, because you're not it, a Scorpio and you don't give a shit. Right. Right. And this is just like, um, 
pouring a lot of passion into relationships. I was mm. reading the other day, it's like you need someone it was telling me, uh, co-star is telling me that I need someone in my life who will see that intensity and take it as the passion as it is and not be intimidated by it. Um, and open the space for me to cherish them because that's what I would do. If I really like someone, I really love that person. That was your horoscope? Um, I think so. I'm crying. Yeah. You're not crying. That was a lie. There's Scorpio. There you go. That's the Scorpio fire. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, <clears throat> sometimes I use it just to scare people. I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio, just so you know. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I can see it. I don't think that didn't, that's the other thing about the way we're, we're, we grow up. I'm like, I don't know if my tendencies right now and my temperament would be the same if I wasn't, if I hadn't grown up in Syria, um, or if I hadn't been gay in Syria, mm. because that's the thing is that, um, I had to hide a lot of things. And mm. so I learned to be strong in my convictions because they had time to simmer. I also was quiet for a lot of my teen years. I was really quiet. Really, I didn't want to be out. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sit and eat chips. I still like to sit and eat chips. What um, are your favorite chips? This original Lay's. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so I don't know if I would be the same, but I, I think that once I made it to a place where I could use my voice and speak my mind, it just doesn't stop anymore. <laughs> who has the cork anyone <laughs> i'm not familiar with that reference is that champagne? Talking about champagne yeah like when you put a cork in something to close it but you can't i cannot you can't we put a cork. cork you can't put a cork even back in something as you know have you read champagne well you can put it back in a wine thing yeah so wine is different the way they're shaped is gonna not allow you to recork champagne. And, and that's the big picture right well now. you're not supposed to you're supposed to just drink that right <laughs> that's true yeah, you're supposed to, supposed to take it i'm just sorry i got i went somewhere with that cork metaphor i like I, really, I took it to that's a place. true yeah maybe we don't need the the the, the cork um are you gonna get a new metaphor um you, you like no, cork. You i like have another still. metaphor too about how i am um I, you know how some people are glass half empty or glass half full my glass has fallen on the floor. It has broken. There is water everywhere. <laughs> People are slipping. You know, it's like the water, the, the cup, just the glass just made a whole big mess. And I had a professor once who was like, well, you better get that mop and start mopping. I'm like, oh, my God. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take me to church. Take me. Dr. Wanda Heading Grant, if you're listening Shout to Shout out. Thank you. That was sage advice. Yeah, this is v you don't get to be a VP at UVM if you're not a, a sage person. Yeah, so soon you'll be VP somewhere. Soon, as in like 10 years, but yes. I don't, time is a flat circle as far as I'm it, concerned. It is a social construct, yeah. True Detective, just Reg. We, can, we can talk about it later. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. I feel like... I feel all over the place with you. Are we are we forgetting something? Is there something I'm leaving out right now for you? No. Okay. Nothing simmering for you. No, no, no. Just you're the, your you're the one with the personality, just your Scorpio energy just simmering always. What Scorpio energy? I don't know what you're talking about. Neither do I. Well. So wait, what? Yeah. Well, True Detective is a television program and uh they're like the tagline or whatever from the first season was time as a flat circle. Oh. And I think the meaning is not, I feel like, 
your response to that was a little more positive than it should be because it really means people, human beings, human nature, the planet sort of keeps repeating itself. Mm. Like, um, and it's, you know, things are always the same, just a little bit different because time isn't, you know, linear after all, right? It's a flat circle. Mm. So if you were looking at it in a one dimensional type of, I've yeah, said probably too much about that. About I mean, there's a lot of phys- uh, you know, theories in physics that were physics that would disagree. Molecular biology uh, that would disagree with you. Um, but, but yeah, I disagree but, with true detective. Sorry, yes. that wasn't, no, not you. Yeah. No, I didn't invent that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. But, no, I figured out, <laughs> but I now want to ask you, like, are you watching any fun TV shows? Any shows you like that are, you're obsessed with maybe? No. Game of Thrones. No. I just want to put that on you. I just want, I like, don't, I don't I, care. I've never watched Game of Thrones. What you actually like. I just want to be I, like, Moose is a Game of Thrones fan. No, no, I just no. spread that rumor. Can I start that now? No. Anyway, I love sci-fi. Are you team Daenerys? I love, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> you love sci-fi? I do love sci-fi. Are there any series you're into uh, right now? I love the Umbrella Academy. And Tell I me more. Can't wait, wait, Mary J. Blige is in that, right? Yes. Okay. Wonderful show. I think it was a wonderful first season. It's got a good combination of, of, of superhero and sort of that sci-fi fantasy part, which I really enjoyed. Are they time hopping? Um, I don't want to spoil it for other people. Can you literally give any kind of synopsis? No. We don't want to spoil it for cool. people. Basically, just, uh, basically just. it's a bunch of people who have superpowers, and uh-huh. they're, they're, there is an issue with time, yes, and they're trying to fix it. Okay. Um, but the, the way the, the powers are very interesting in the, in the way they, they, they present them to people. The characters are so different. Um, um, and it, and it, it sort of, I don't know, their powers kind of make sense. Um, in a in a way, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good plot. It was really well done as a, as a as a as a as a as a motion picture or whatever it's called. Um, it's not I, a series. I, it is. It is a series. Oh, okay. Is it a motion picture? Is it has to be a movie? I thought it was like a picture. I, movie. When yeah. I hear motion picture, I think feature film. Okay. Well, okay. as in a bunch of videos that were well done, well made together. Um, is it twenty four frames a second? I don't know. You don't know the speed of film? No. I'm sorry. Molecular biology and music. Right. Rather. Let's talk about music. Oh, music. Uh, oh, God. Um, you hate it. You don't like it. Uh, if, you can, if you can overlay like sad, nostalgic <laughs> music right now, it would be very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the harp in. Um, Roll in the harp. Harp? Okay. We have a harp over here. Where is the harp? It's roll- It's being rolled in right okay. now. Okay. Uh, as we wait for the harp to roll. Uh, so I was a music major in college, and I was a piano major. And I um, really didn't think I would make it in the program because I had never actually gotten, you know, real training. Um, and so I trained with a lovely professor. She's one of the, like, my biggest cheerleaders and, and um I was able to really grow my my talent. It was a big part of my life. This is why it's the the, the harps need to be in. Uh, I you know lock would lock myself in the practice room for at least two hours a day for four years, significant amount of time. Um, Are you okay? No, <laughs> <laughs> the same. No, same. <laughs> Sorry, continue. 
yeah. No, because right now, over the last few years, I haven't been able to play as much as I uh, want. And it's one of those things that are like, I can feel it sort of slipping away. Um, and so when I, you know, whenever I see a piano and I try to play, it's not exactly as good as it used to be. And then I get frustrated and I just don't have the time to to or the facilities to practice as much as I used to. And so one of my goals after I moved to Columbus is to actually commit to more regular practicing. Um, but yeah, that's in terms of like music, music and in terms of popular music, I will listen to anything and everything. Uh, one of my, <clears throat> one of my colleagues and friends um, has a playlist for me that they add stuff to so I can remain up to date on new music. Finally listened to Ariana Grande's album. Took me a while. Um, um, do you, do you want to unpack that right now? <laughs> uh, the album? No, I have feelings. Um, <laughs> feelings. I like the last one. Break up with your girlfriend. I'm like, yep, oh, that's me. Lord. Oh, um, that <laughs> Scorpio energy. <laughs> I think enough has been said about that. It has been. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. It's sort of been, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving right along. Mm-hmm. I know you're a writer. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times when I um, want to maybe hang out with you, you're busy writing. Yes. So it's personal for me. To, when I bring this up, it's um, of a personal note. Uh-huh. Um, is it for fun? Or are you like, you're writing grants and stuff. You're writing things that aren't like necessarily. I, yes, I'm writing academically. Um, I used to say I'm doing schoolwork, but now I'm, it's not related to school. It's, uh, I, was, I, had an, I have an opportunity to write... Um, uh, uh, it's a it's a book that is going to come out in a few months. It's called Remixed and Reimagined. Um, it's about uh, religion and spirituality uh, in higher education. And I was uh, submitted a proposal, and I'm writing a book chapter for that edited um, book. Pre-order your copy on Amazon now. Well, no, uh, not yet, um, because I don't know if it's going to be on Amazon. Also, I had some really – I had some – times of self-doubt and I pulled out my chapter and the editors reached out and said we don't want to lose this chapter so um, now I'm back I'm trying at it again Uh, the chapter is called um, theoretical borderlands uh, development of queer and spiritual identities and so I am using a scholarly personal narrative using my own story. I'm like, no one is talking about my people. There's no queer Muslims in the literature. So let me tell you my story. And hopefully that will inspire you to do the same with other people who have different stories. So this is the, the sort of the mode of writing where I narrate my experience with queerness and religion. Um, and I use a critical perspective to understand it a little more. Um, mainly using a feminist, intersectional, and post-structural perspectives. Uh, thank you. That's, uh, that's the plug-in for what might be... A ch- if you never see it, it's probably because I failed to submit a chapter and they cut me out. Um, but yeah, that's the writing that I'm doing now. So it's not nearly as exciting as you say writing a novel. That sounds very exciting. <clears throat> it is to me. And to me. Thank you. And to our listeners. Thank you all. <laughs> so don't buy the book i will give you a copy of the chapter if you really like it i don't like contributing to capitalism sometimes just saying right i mean i regret the amazon plug already yeah yeah well you can edit it out (laughs) (laughs) anywho 
Muspa. Yes. What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you? Uh, so many, so many, so many things going through my head right now. One of them is, you know, folks are going to see my picture. Um, and so I, I have, I have problem with not problem. I, I struggle with, um, calling myself, um, Brown. I'm not black, but you are um, not white. I am not and I white. I just want to be super clear right. about that. Right. I'm not white. So I, I, I don't identify as white. I identify as a person of color. I identify as middle Eastern, but I think about my presence sometimes in spaces that are black and Brown and thinking about what does that bring up for people um, who don't know the full story and whether my presence could be a form of violence. Um, and because there's a lot of white folks who see me and they're like, oh, you're Jewish or you're Israeli. And to them, that means white. white. You're in the gang. Right? You're in the squad. Right. And so, <laughs> so it, you know, as much as like white passing, it's, it's aggravating because I have this whole cultural, racial, ethnic experience. On the other side, it is a, a, a privilege. So... And but also when you're dealing with that, and it's an, it's an erasure, right? So it's 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 these these both truths are are, are correct, um, and so that's my first uh, point. Um, and I I think that in general, black and brown queer culture just brings me so much joy. Um, the reason why it, I it, I I I say joy is because there is there is a lot of energy and motivation. You know, we see each other, like we were at the barbecue the other day and mm-hmm. it's, I was laughing with people mm-hmm. that I had never met, mm-hmm. but it was just, we had that instant connection, this instant, like our authentic selves really come through. Um, and sometimes I'm in queer white spaces and they feel very sterile, um, where I feel like I have to be more, uh, of a certain way that I haven't felt in, in, uh, sort of poc, uh, queer spaces so that's really how I, I would describe it um it's I, I feel much more of a invitation towards authenticity and sort of another layer of experiencing queerness that uh, is refreshing um and you know i know because i worked with a lot of uh queer and trans people of color um black and brown people at UVM and that was really a saving grace for me when you're like together we're we're laughing we're snapping to each other we're sort of there's there's life um and the team that I'm joining um in Ohio is all white um and I would you know when I visited I felt like oh my god this is sterile like why isn't anyone talking to anyone like it's kind of weird um so yeah, I I'm 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 always grateful for those spaces and I've learned to find a healthy balance between acknowledging that it's complicated. My relationship to race in America is complicated. Well, but the the um racial situation in America is actually very simple. Didn't you hear? Didn't you know that? It's not really that complex. <clears throat> Sorry, continue. Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm literally yeah. Just doing this the whole interview, just shutting you down. Sorry. No, you're not shutting me I down. I just wanted to I add just, that. I just look at you. <laughs> race is very simple and not a problem at all in America. And you were saying? As not an American, I will move on. <laughs> it's, that's, that's one of the other complications, right? Is that um, what does it mean for me to come from a place where I was actually in the majority? So there are racial minorities in Syria. 
um, they're, they're actually very oppressed, who are, who are not Arabs, who live in the northern parts of the country. Um, and, uh, you know, it's predominantly Muslim, so I was a majority through and through. I'm a man. Hallelujah. Um, and now I'm here where I no longer, I'm, I, I'm still a man enjoying that um, privileged advantage. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and now I'm in the minority. Um, I don't see myself reflected anywhere, like in, in many ways. And so, um, and I, I experience a lot of, you know, ethnic tension, cultural tension in uh, America, in, in America, mm-hmm. uh, and that, which even comes, uh, comes up in, in black and brown spaces. Go on. Uh, right. So there is, you know, American elitism mm. is a thing that, mm. um, that that is very i mean racism is so pervasive and it can be very internalized in many ways even in uh black and brown people um including myself so it comes up sometimes when you know similar to that question what questions do you ask mm. you can find cultural insensitivity in yeah. people who are minoritized and marginalized in other ways because just because you're minoritized in one way doesn't mean you understand all of the minoritized experiences and white supremacy is overarching. Is overarching. You know, we live in a racist society, right. so is it is anyone going to be immune from that? Right. So so the idea of, you know, American is America is the best. Mm. That's uh, there is a subtext there of like mm. white America sees itself as the best. Mm. Um, and that's what it represents to the world, you know. Um So then at times you find yourself in a conversation with other people you might want to feel affinity with, but they're like see uh, a difference you know between syrians and americans that puts them at a better advantage and they mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's less insidious than that in the sense that usually comes in the that um curi- you know curiosity piece mm. um, I, th- I think it's it's not necessarily oh i'm better than you it's you you know it's a, i have a different cultural perspective and now you want to know about it and now you want to learn it and now i'm a subject of your curiosity yeah um Similar to, you know, like white people, yeah, with black culture, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just so, so complicated and complex. And it's, <laughs> it's it, I'm glad that we're talking about it and bringing it up, um, because it's, that's one of the, the things when you put Moosebun in front of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the intention all along. Thank you. Tricked you. Um, I wanted you to be honest. I wanted you to be sincere. And uh, I, that's why I lured you here today. Wow, that sounds so creepy when you say it. I know. I am um, not. Uh, we have, this we will have, be edited have. out. This part will be edited out. Trust. My image. Can you imagine? Reggie, I lured you in. My image. No, I had a secret agenda today, and that was for you to come on and tell the truth. Sorry. Oh, Sue me. That's truth. Is, truth is fine. Um, I learned that there are multiple truths as well. So folks who are listening, if this is not your truth, that's okay. Um, and you know, now you know me, tell me, um, I think, yeah, I, I coming, being in the States and being in the circles that I was in, I learned a lot about, uh, what harm means and what pain means and what it means to be held accountable for things that you say or you do or, um, or think and so yeah i'm i'm 
this is sort of all in it together. And there, there are multiple truths, different ways of seeing the world is what makes this conversation fascinating. <laughs> Pearls of wisdom from Musba. That's me. I'm Musba. When do you feel most browning out? You didn't tell me you were going to ask that question. When do I feel most... Have you listened to the show before? Did we... You didn't tell me explicitly. Uh-huh. Um, when do you feel feel most brown and out? Those twin identities at the same time. When I am with brown and out people. Really, because that's... That solidarity piece is really what um, makes me feel more confident. Like, I remember times when my friends who were black or brown who were like, no, you belong in this pox space with us, who who know uh, my story and some of the tensions that I feel. Like, no, you belong in this space with us. Like, come along. Um, these are some of the times when I felt the most um, brown and out. And, yeah, and there are people would, you know, you might argue whether I'm out or not because I'm not out to everyone like don't send the link to my mom she would be severely upset um <laughs> but yeah the, but but it's really through the presence of other people that I've said you know this is seeing people being authentic and real and sort of hearing the stories of all the people in this podcast is the reason why I said you know what I I feel honored to be invited and I'm gonna do it because I am brown and I am out. 